This podcast was created for the entrepreneur who wants a business that is consistent, profitable, and doesn't rely on them all the time. In each episode, we go over all the ways your business can create wealth that pays you right now and forever. I'm your host, Haley Burkhead, and I'm here to show you how to make it all happen. So there was an entrepreneur inside the disruptor that inspired this episode. She was having a really hard time with bridging the security mindset to the strategic mindset, which we talk about in episode five. Mostly what was holding her back was the concept of it being okay to take on good debt. And she asked for suggestions. And I just wanted to share that here because I know she's not the only one. I grew up surrounded by messages that told me credit cards were evil, loans meant you were poor, and that was your last option, and debt meant you are in a hole that's hard to get out of, aka snowball debt, right? But there is something called snowball wealth. The same concept that applies to debt applies to wealth. And if you look at pretty much any billionaire, they have debt. And there's a reason why. They actually make money from their debt. And that's what I categorize as good debt, is debt that you actually make money from. So first, let's just start with compassion and grace, okay? Because this stuff is hard. When you have been told so many times that it was just things about debt and money, and most are lies, but that doesn't mean that they didn't stick in our subconscious, right? So it's okay if it feels tough to bridge this gap. That's why this podcast exists. That's why I created The Disruptor, to to surround ourselves with messages that make money easier for us instead of believing what we've been told, which is mainly a message for people who want to have a nine-to-five job forever and play it safe. And that's fine. There are also ways to play it safe in entrepreneurship to create wealth. It's just how do you want to do it? Nine to five entrepreneur way. Since you're listening to this, I'm assuming it's going to be the entrepreneur way. So here is how a successful entrepreneur, thriving entrepreneur, profitable investor views debt. They think of debt like buying money. So let's say you go to Target, you buy clothes, right? You can also go to Walmart and buy clothes. You can also go to a place called Nordstrom and buy clothes. You can buy a similar top, but they are priced differently. Now let's replace clothes with money. You can go to a bank and buy money. You can go to an investor and buy money. You can go to a credit card and buy money. It's simply shopping for money. And So that's where I'm saying that debt is just buying money. That's all debt is. There are two variables that decide whether or not buying money, aka taking on debt, is strategic. So that's the cost of buying the money and the ROI that's purchased money will produce for you. So we're going to break down the cost of buying money because how do you determine the cost? It's just like you see a really cute top at Target and it's 20 bucks and you know, okay, that's worth 20 bucks to me, right? But if you saw the same top for let's say $500, you'd probably, you think about it and go, mm, is, is that top worth $500 to me? So that concept, it's the same thing as you seeing a chunk of money. You're like, oh, that's a really cute chunk of money. (laughs) That could X, Y, Z for me, right? So how do we determine the cost of the money that we're buying? It's the interest rate. So I'm sure you've heard that phrase before, interest rate. So if you want to buy $100,000 and the interest rate is is 2%, then you are paying $2,000. If you want to buy something for $1,000, 
loans and the interest rate is 20%, then you are paying $200. Now, to answer the question, when you purchase this money, what's the ROI? What's the plan to make more money from this money, right? Debt with a disadvantage is buying money at a high cost that has no plan to make more money. So in financial language, it's called buying a liability. Um, And a liability is something that you own that really doesn't produce a ton of value. Uh, uh, Besides, I mean, your happiness, right? Like for instance, a boat. Let's say you bought a really cool boat. That would be considered a liability unless you made money from it. Now, if you're making money from it, that's where it becomes an asset. So here, let's now switch to debt with an advantage. Debt with an advantage is buying money at a low cost or a cost that is covered by how much money it will make. So in financial language, this is where you're buying an asset. It's something you own that makes you money. So let's say, same scenario, you bought a boat, super cool boat, but you were renting it out on weekends and making money from it that covered the cost of the loan that it took to buy the boat. So you basically, I mean, essentially get a free boat as long as the cost is covered or you're actually making money from that. It's producing income in some way. That is an asset. And this is another phrase for that too, which I know we've talked about on the podcast before. It's a moneymaker. So a moneymaker is something you own, it makes you money, and it doesn't rely on you to be successful. Those are the three keys of what a moneymaker is. Very similar to an asset. It can be the same thing, right? I just, I don't like using financial language like asset and liability because there's so much attachment. And honestly, the education around it is so freaking boring. So that's why I just kind of, I made up my own language and then I made up my own visuals and diagrams for this because I just wanted to make it a fun, creative process. So let's go back to debt with an advantage. (laughs) This is how debt can make you a ton of money. And I want to go through an example here because I think an example of a real life situation with real numbers, we can walk through this together and see how this works. Okay, so let's dive into this. I'm so excited. And and actually, real quick before I dive into the situation, I just want to say it is totally normal to view debt as dangerous, to view debt as something that can mess up your future to view debt as whatever, right? But when you think about it, let's think about how a wealthy person buys money and how someone that, let's just say a non-wealthy person buys money. So, and this goes back to episode five, again, the strategic mindset versus the security safety mindset. So someone that's wealthy is always thinking about making sure that their moneymakers, the things that they own that make the money but don't rely on them, their money makers are providing their wealth number. And their wealth number is the amount of income they want coming in every single month, no matter what. And that covers their bills and lifestyle. So a wealthy person is leveraging all the resources that are available to them through the government, through their business, through their network, through the bank system. They're leveraging their resources to get this. Now, how that happens is totally unique for each person. And I'm not going to go into all that uh, because we've already spent time on other episodes about those strategies. The three wealth approach episode is definitely a good one to listen to for that. But going back to this wealthy person, they're viewing debt as a way to 
buy money that makes them way more money that also can provide money forever. So it's very strategic, very short-term and long-term thinking skills combined, right? Okay, now let's take someone that's not as wealthy. What you typically find in spitting patterns is if I want it, I get it. Or I'm going to buy something because I deserve it because I just went through something bad. It's very emotional-based, very feeling-based. And that's because when you are in a safety place or a survival place, what do you want? You want to feel a certain way. You don't want to feel like you're unsafe. You don't want to feel like you're not secure. And so you chase the feeling of security by doing things that are the exact opposite of giving you security. And and this is what I see a lot. And this is where snowball debt comes in uh, often, and not always, but often, is when people are saying, you know what? I really want this item. So I am going to go buy money to get this item now. But that thing that they've bought makes them feel a certain way for a period of time, right? So they're getting their feeling, their chemical release from it. But here's the thing. The way they bought that money is typically a credit card, which the interest rate cost of buying the money is very high. It's a very expensive money purchase when you're buying with a credit card that's not paid off within the month, right? So there's that variable. And then the thing that they're usually buying is uh, only based on their feelings, which is typically a liability. Now, let me go through this scenario too, because is a liability something that you bought that doesn't produce income for you? Is that bad or wrong or whatever? Absolutely not. I have liabilities. I think every, every, pretty much a lot of people have liabilities. That's a pretty normal thing. And, and I also don't want us to go into the mindset of something is wrong or right. Okay. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of is it skillful or not skillful? So we know that skillful debt is making us money. We know that not so skillful debt is not making us money. So it's really about the result you want, right? So, and this is how I view it. At the very beginning, what I did was I was buying real estate for tax write-offs. Now, what I probably should have done before this is what I actually did second. And it was because I wasn't even aware of this. And this is where I just want everyone to be so aware. And I'm so passionate about raising awareness around this. This is where you need a financial freedom plan, which I have a wealth manager to hook you up with. Basically, the bare minimum is, can you put $3,000 a month towards wealth? And that includes the management fee on that. So If you can do that, awesome, great. But okay, so that is where you are securing your financial freedom. That is the hands-off approach. It's the very passive approach. It's low maintenance. It's great. It's a set it and forget it. And then I am going to get other investments that secure my wealth number in addition to that. After that, if I have extra money, That extra money is where I just put back into my portfolio because I don't need it right now. But if I had a liability that I wanted to get, I would just use that money 
to be put into a liability. But since I do not have that in mind, like I don't really want to buy a boat right now or buy a plane or whatever people want to buy that are liabilities, then I just put that back into a portfolio. Now, here's the thing though. If I, let's say next year, I'm like, I want to buy a boat. (laughs) I wake up and I want to buy a boat. Well, guess what? My portfolio can buy me very cheap money because it collateralizes a loan. And oh my gosh, bankers drool over that. So that's what's great is that I am planning from every angle. And and this is also where I really want to hook every single person up that is ready to work with someone like that. Um, I will share my contact because I'm so passionate about getting this out there. I can't offer a done-for-you service. I obviously can't do that. I'm not qualified to do that. But um, I want to share my contact and be as helpful as I can be with any woman that's wanting to create wealth. So uh, the order again, number one, get financial freedom set up. Well, actually before that, I mean, my business was creating recurring profit, right? So that's number one. And how I would define recurring profit in this specific scenario is your business is creating at least $3,000 a month of profit you can put towards wealth. Second, financial freedom. This is where we're going to set that up. We end And this doesn't have to pull a lot of your profit. I think a lot of people assume that it doesn't. Right now, I actually don't have have, uh, my portfolio pulling a lot of my profit. I told my wealth manager, I don't want my business profit to be affected at all because currently I'm in a massive revenue transition in my business. And that is something that I do plan on talking more about on this episode because I think that you guys would find it very fascinating, uh, all the you know, cool transition things that I'm going through right now. But that is something that is very low maintenance and hands-off. But I know that within three to five years, I'm immediately benefiting from that. I'm setting up myself three years from now in such a great place. And that's a secret advantage of entrepreneurship as well is most people aren't able to do something like that until they're retired. And entrepreneurships have a lot cooler early retirement options. Um, and, and in a way, like I don't plan on retiring, right. But I can still pull a retirement paycheck and not retire. (laughs) And it's not through a 401k because obviously that's money you can't touch until you're a certain age. I created the Disruptor, an interactive membership for any entrepreneur who wants predictable profit in their business and a life of wealth outside of their business. Join entrepreneurs that are thinking bigger without adding more to their plate inside for $75 a month at thedisruptor.com slash ready. Once you're in, you'll access all the step-by-step processes and tools that I use in my business and every business I invest in to lock in predictable profit. You'll also immediately get access to a community that shares big ideas, live support twice a month with an expert, and your customized wealth game plan. Imagine it kind of like a tangible step-by-step roadmap to your wealth goals. So come join the wave of entrepreneurs who are creating this for themselves at thedisruptor.com ready. Now let's get back to the episode. Let's reel it back in. I knew I was going to do this. This is why I really try to stay on topic, but I just get so excited. Let's go back to the scenario that I was going to talk you through. Um, This is the scenario where we're going to go over a debt with an advantage and debt with a disadvantage. And I, I want you to see the massive difference between just this one decision, just one decision, okay? 
So (laughs) here we go. In this situation, there is someone called Molly. Okay, now Molly is afraid of debt and her decisions are centered around creating a feeling of security. And then there's Laura who takes risks only when it's profitable and there's a proven strategy and data behind it. Okay, so let's go back to Molly. Molly finds this $4 million house. Oh my gosh, she falls in love. She buys the house in cash to avoid a monthly mortgage. This made her feel safe and that was her number one priority, okay? Now let's go to Laura. Laura also finds a $4 million house. She also falls in love. She sees herself making pancakes with her kids in the morning. She sees herself having maybe a yoga room in the house. She she sees it. And instead of buying in cash, this is where Laura does something different, okay? She puts $800,000 down to buy the house, right? Which is a 20% down payment for a loan. And this loan has a 3% interest rate. The rest of the money, which is $3.2 million, was put into a wealth portfolio strategically. This allowed her to do a few things. Number one, the banker gave her a lower interest rate because she was able to use her portfolio asset, that $3.2 million, to buy money for a cheaper cost. You know how we talked about interest rate being the cost of buying money for you? You can get cheaper money. You can buy the same amount of money. $4 million, whatever, right? For cheaper. And it co- the, the purchase price is less because of this thing called collateralization, which basically means you say, hey, I'm going to collateralize this, secure this loan. It gives the loan extra security and padding. And you're doing that with something called a portfolio, which is what Laura is strategically doing. And when I mentioned the wealth manager, this is something that a wealth manager can help you with and create the entire strategy around for you. Mine does this for me all the time. (laughs) I really put her to work. So um, again, if you want that contact, just DM me. That might be DM me at Haley Burkhead. Okay, so number one, the banker gave her a lower interest rate because she was able to use her portfolio asset to buy money for a cheaper cost. Number two, she's able to pull $7,000 a month as a paycheck from her portfolio while the money grows, which covers a huge portion of a $12,000 a month mortgage. So basically, the majority of her mortgage is covered by the portfolio asset. How does this work? Because you can actually take a percentage of your total portfolio as a monthly paycheck every single month. This is what I'm talking about with early retirement. And this is also why it's super important to have a wealth manager who's used to working with entrepreneurs um, and not just nine to five employees. Now let's go back to Molly. In 10 years, because now we're going to fast forward time, we're going to project the future. And I'm going to show you how different these numbers are just based on this one decision. This is, I love this stuff. I nerd out of her. I, I hope you're nerding out over this with me. Now let's go back to Molly. In 10 years, her net worth would be 5.1 million. So I calculated this based on the appreciation of her house. So an appreciation basically just means the cost the value of the home increased. That's what appreciation means. Just like depreciation means it lowered, the cost lowered. So if you bought a house for $100,000 and in five years, the sell price was $150,000, it appreciated. If the sales price is $80,000, it depreciated, right? Okay, so I wanted to explain that real quick. So because we're assuming based on just average market value, the house would be worth 5.1 million in 10 years. Okay. So that would be Molly's net worth. 
Now let's talk about Laura's net worth, okay? Because Laura's net worth, as Molly's 5.1 million, Laura's net worth is 11.4 million. It's more than double what Molly's net worth is. And not only that, I didn't actually even include this in my notes and I might be getting ahead of myself, but Molly is actually able to pay herself. So the house is paid off and Molly is still paying herself a massive check. Let's see, the check would be, she would be able to pay herself around $12,000 a month from this portfolio for her, for her net worth via her portfolio. Like that's, what's crazy. So Molly is getting no, no portfolio paychecks, right? But she paid in cash. She felt safe at the time. Laura is, has a house paid off. Her house appreciated the same, right? And also she's able to now pool $12,000 a month for the rest of her life, by the way. Okay. So now that was not in my notes, but I just thought about that. And I just had to uh, that's such an important factor of this. And and that is a thing where people say wealth is long-term. And yeah, of course it is, but it's also short-term. And if you can benefit yourself in the short-term and amplify your long-term benefit, like that's the way to think like a wealthy person is it's not, oh, that won't affect me now. So I'm just going to put that to the side and not think about it. It's like, no, 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 it, it does affect you now. And it will affect your future, of course. But if you can get wealth in a way that affects you now, you're also as a side effect having it affect you in the future too. So, okay, let's let's go back to my notes about Laura though because she has 11.4 million net worth. Now, how did I get to this number? Why is that? Well, the house appreciated the same as Molly, so it's 5.1 million, but her portfolio asset grew to 6.3 million. So it doubled in 10 years. That is the power of a wealthy decision based on or versus uh, compared to a security-based decision. So if debt is just buying money, Laura was able to buy $4 million for the cost of $120,000 paid over time, not upfront, okay? And was able to increase her net worth by $6.3 million that she gets paid $12,000 a month from. That $120,000 of buying that debt was well worth the money. Now, do you see how wealthy people think about money? Do you see how wealthy people don't put labels and boxes on things and they think about the rules of the game and how to use the rules of the game to their advantage? That's so different than labeling something as debt is bad. That's so limiting. That's so limiting because it's not about if something is good or bad. And that's why I want us all to get away from those labels because it's really tripping us up. It's about, is this skillful or not skillful based on what I am wanting from this? That is the way to think about it. So in my opinion, that's $120,000 well spent. And this is how debt made Laura a bunch of money, multi-millions. These are the type of strategies that millionaires and billionaires use every single day when they make deals, they buy properties, they grow their money, and we can use these strategies as well. I do often now. So whatever decision you make, always do what feels right for you. I truly believe there is no right or wrong. The question is, does this choice I make right now lead me closer to my wealth? If the answer is yes, that's awesome. I will talk to you on the next episode, which will be over profit margin strategy in your business. I love nerding out with you over topics like this. And I hope you found this episode super helpful. Thank you so much for listening. 
This podcast was created for you. So if you have a question around business or wealth, go to rwquestion.com. I am so excited to see it and I may even answer it on the next episode. If this episode sparked a light bulb moment that you wanna share with a business friend, hit that share button, text them the link. Sharing episodes with your friends helps the wave of entrepreneurs disrupting the wealth industry go larger and that is because of you. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.